Yes, you're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, September the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2019. It's a rumination Thursday, which means we have on the air with us Pastor Wes Reimnitz. How you doing, Wes? Doing fine. How are you, Tom? Well... I'm really happy because I sinned yesterday, but since God made me that way, I don't have anything to worry about. Oh, really? Does that remind you of what some people are saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's this idea that those living in immoral sin, that they were built that way. And we're talking specifically about a gay lifestyle that they believe that God's gave them the genes in order to be gay, and therefore you can't hold them accountable for their sin. Did you run across anything that may say something about that? I sent you a couple articles. One oh, that's that, right. said that, <laughs> that explained the same-sex behavior. And the other said there is no gay gene, there, there is no straight gene. The, the second article, there is no gay gene, there is no heterosexual gene, was more inclusive of what the study said. And, and what's, what's really uh, unique about this study is they, they made the gene pool larger than ever before. They, they surveyed over 500,000. Wow. Uh, Adults, yeah, which is really large, and they they came up with uh, the fact that they couldn't find a gene that uh, defined homosexuality, uh, whether it's male or female, and for that matter, a heterosexual gene. So it kind of left everything, left that whole crowd in there that God made me that way, out in the out scientifically out in the cold. You know, this is where we as Christians need to really understand the distinction between the rules in the temporal realm versus the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, we have all kinds of uh, commandments from God, and it doesn't necessarily mean that scientifically you're going to find a gene where people are breaking those commandments. Yesterday on my way to be uh, preaching at two congregations last night, I ended up listening on a CD the entire book of First Corinthians. It was all on one mm-hmm. CD. And uh, listen what First Corinthians chapter 6 says, verse 9 and following. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Now, I think that passage says two things. Someone cannot look at themselves and say, oh boy, I'm, sometimes I was a swindler. Does that mean I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? 
No, if you have repented of that sin and been washed, namely in the waters of baptism, and been sanctified, you also are justified, which means that God is not going to hold you accountable for that sin. But if you practice these things, and that simply means doing sin without repentance, then you will not enter into the kingdom of God. That's really critical. That raises, uh, um, before we go, go back into that, that kind of raises a question as I, as I listen to you. I mean, we sin every day. Yes. I mean, we can't get by it, uh, which means we need to repent every day of our sins. Is that not correct? That's right. We need to have contrition. See, that was the work of John the Baptizer to prepare the way of the coming of Jesus with the gospel by, well, diagnosing them under the law as in need of the gospel, which is the forgiveness of sins given. And it's provided to those who therefore have faith, repent of their sins, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And the other thing that, that as I listen to you, bring out 1 Corinthians 6, homosexuality is lumped in with a whole host of other sins. It isn't just we're ganging up on one section of our society in one particular sin, but but that Paul is talking about all manners of sin that enters into the life of a person. And he includes the word greedy. Who of us have not been greedy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, we pastors, we pastors aren't greedy, of course. Us, all manners of greed, I would imagine. Yes, obviously. In fact, that's why we as pastors even confess on a Sunday morning that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. That's what we deserve. But as with what Paul is saying here, When you have been washed in the waters of baptism, repent of your sins, you are now justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same way that Abraham was. He believed the promise of God, and God declared him to be righteous and justified in his sight. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Uh, Where sin begins, where sin ends. Where grace begins, where grace ends, to have that life in 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 Christ. Yeah. I found the, the the article quite revealing in in that uh, they couldn't find a gene, and some of the articles try to say, well, they did find a small section in there where it might likely, but um, the ones that I found that, that that said that there there was a gene or a percentage that was. It was all made by people who had not read the report. Yes. The fact of the matter is, is that even science now is on the side of the church, that there's not a gene that forces you into immoral behavior, uh, particularly in this area of uh, being gay. So one of the things I found very interesting, we believe that every human being has the capacity of becoming immoral. Because what doctrine do we believe in that everyone well, is born in? Well, you're talking about original sin. We're, we're yes. born with sin. 
for instance, in, in John chapter 3, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You know what I have uh, also noticed in all these discoveries of genes? There is no gene for original sin. Yeah, I was kind of kind of alluding to that too, but you know, I when when you broached the subject that God made me that way, I went in and looked at uh, murder, serial killers, and genes, and those studies came conclusively up that there's no gene pool that that is uh, of that nature either. So it just wasn't homosexuals or the gay gene, but murder gene arson gene, you name it, it's not to be found. It comes back to original sin, and and that corrupts everything. You see, we move into immorality primarily because of our environment, I believe. Uh, For example, I've been kind of watching YouTube, and they're talking about the worst prisons in the world, and some of them are really bad. One of the things I've learned... I've often thought, why don't they just put prisoners in isolation? And there are prisons where a prisoner is in isolation for 23 hours a day, and often they lose their mind or commit suicide. Yeah. And so they're trying to do prisons where they can still, you know, have someone to talk to because that makes a big difference. But... um. In Russia, I thought it was one of the best prisons because what they do, every time they take a prisoner out of the cell, there's two guards with him and there's a dog that's following them with another guard. Mm. And nobody has escaped from that prison. Yet they put two men together in each cell. And I think Mm. that's kind of wise from a psychological point of view, because now you've got somebody at least that you can talk with. On a a more positive point of view, in one of the county jails in Illinois, they they started a program of uh, reaching out to those that were in the county for a period of time for crimes. And positive studies, getting their high school degrees, uh, various other sort of uh, activities, that, that, uh, occupations that they can be involved in. And their return to crime was, went down by 75% out of that group study. They found that they had to spend time with them talking about these things. Yes, you really need to prepare a prisoner who's leaving the prison for living on the outside. And how many times have we heard that a prisoner leaves Uh, the prison and then commits a crime immediately because he feels much more comforted within a prison. He's told what to do. He's given three meals a day. He doesn't have to worry about money, all kinds of things. And so we can understand that, that some people actually who have been a long time in prison get so used to it that they really don't know what to do when they get out of prison. They can't handle it. Right. But it all comes back to, I think, as you correctly point out, is is the environment that they they grew up with, uh, the the crowd of people that they're involved with. But you answered in that way, but 
there are many straight families that have gays within them, and they would contend with you that the environment that they had didn't, didn't rise to the fact that their child became gay. How would you answer that? Well, let me get back to the environment first. One of the uh, uh, prisons they were talking about was for women. And uh, the way that they dealt with the women, they were pretty well independent of what they could do within the prison and such. And they had discovered that 80% of the women became lesbians. And I can understand that because there's a need to have a relationship with another person. Uh, As we saw with those who are put in solitary confinement, they almost go crazy. And to be able to touch someone, etc., and have love between them isn't at all unusual. And a number of the women had said, yeah, I wasn't that way at all when I was on the outside world. But when you get inside here, where the only other people are women, uh, there were no men prisoners, of course, that they could uh, converse with. Therefore, a lot of them were tempted by Satan to follow into this immorality. So that's one I use to show how the environment makes a difference. Now, Mm. nobody knows how the environment may lead to this because you don't know the thoughts of a person. You don't know who they're hanging around with, even your own children at school. Or it could be because of a, I I know of an individual who did marry a woman and it didn't work out at all. They broke up and then he became gay. So one could see that. But the fact of the matter is God makes a clear distinction between sin that's unrepentant and sin that's repentant. So when somebody tells us, well, I was born this way. You were born with original sin. But that mm. isn't God's fault. That's because of Adam and Eve laid everyone into original sin. But you still have a choice not to do that. I mean, mm. how many times have you felt when you were betrayed by somebody or somebody stole from you that you really want to get even with that person, but you don't? You call the police instead and let God take over. So that's a choice you made not to follow your original sin. Right. Original sin. When you talk about that, what also comes to mind is Genesis 8. The imaginations of a man's heart is evil from his youth. Or Romans 7, I know that in me, that is my flesh, dwells no good thing. So, you know, it's... it's it's deep down. The the person who said that, of course, was the Apostle Paul. And what he has to say in Romans 1, I heard on issues, etc. They sometimes put callers on there. They called, and one caller uh, called in that he couldn't find anywhere in the Bible against abortion or against homosexuality. But all you have to do is read Romans 1. I I read the 1 Corinthians passage, but here's another one, beginning with verse 26. God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women 
and were consumed with passion for one another, even committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So there's another passage that shows that the gay lifestyle is contrary to the word of God and negative consequences result. One of the highest rates of suicide is among gay individuals. And we can understand that because the devil loves to put them in situations where they lose all comfort. Yeah, and that Romans is, is a good passage, especially when you read two and three beyond, which which talks about God's righteousness and the fact that all men have, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that, as you said before, the way back is, is through repentance and believing on the gospel that Christ died for all sin, whether it's homosexual, uh, greed, you name it, uh, kind of sin. Yes. In fact, um, what's really interesting, the Lutheran Study Bible has a lot of notes about all kinds of subjects. And I was reading there one on homosexuality and biblical teaching and learned something I did not know. It Mm. says, many Roman citizens viewed homosexual behavior with disgust because they knew that it had undermined the Greek civilization. Such Romans prided themselves on their pro-society attitudes and held that homosexual behavior was against nature. But Paul uses the example of homosexuality to make a greater point. And the greater point is that that is contrary to God's word. We're not against it because it ruins society, although it does. And it also ruins children. Look at how many adoption agencies have now had to go out of business because they are in states where they will not receive an adoption permission if they will not provide homosexuals with children. Yeah, I was reading that too. I had underlined that Paul indicates that all things or doing such things destroy society. And you brought that up as well, that it just eventually undercuts the whole fragment of society. And it ended up being a problem in the Roman Empire, too, not just uh, that they they rejected it, but it became a problem there as well. Yeah, the, the article goes on. Everyone is born with a depraved mind that leads to every kind of wickedness. Homosexual behavior is no more damning than gossip, greed, or jealousy. Those who commit such sins will face God's judgment unless they repent. The one who practices homosexual behavior will face the same judge as a gossip, slander, or liar. And it stands first in the list for the Apostle Paul because it so clearly demonstrates how people rebel against the Creator's order. I think that's a really good point. The the reason we keep mentioning certain sins all the time is because they have an impact not only on the Christian, but also on society. Society. I mean, it's uh, radical homosexuals 
that are causing problems against the church and trying to force Christians, for example, to make cakes in honor of gay marriage, which, of course, would be a sin. And uh, abortion is the killing of children. And that's why we speak of those two particularly, since they're damaging to society. And we see what happens to those nations that continued uh, prior to this, especially in the Old Testament, that God brought judgment even upon Judah and Jerusalem for their sinful behavior. And that's why I thought that this article, the study that was done on the gene pool was, was kind of enlightening that they couldn't find anything. And it was done on an independent research with really no axe to grind. And their gene pool was so large, it was much larger than, than statistically that they take 100 times larger than what they normally do. That They found that there just was not a gene that made people that way. And, you know, the Post-Dispatch had an article on that that I had shared with you. And when you read the title, it sounded like they did find a gene. But then when you read the article, it made clear that they didn't. But, boy, you can understand how the liberal post-dispatch newspaper really had a problem in printing that because it was really going contrary to what they're saying, that there's a gene that forces people into this lifestyle. Right. And that's why I sent you that, that second article in which they tried to say that there was a, a, a gene that might, might reflect that. And the guy that uh, that they went and got a quote from um, was not involved in the study at all. So he did not know the statistics of it as, as right. he should. Yes, we need to understand, as uh, the article in the Bible says, a homosexual like any other sinner needs to hear God's word of law and gospel apply to his or her life with the goal of repentance and faith. And that faith, of course, is in Christ Jesus. So that's part of the task of the church, to use the law in order to bring people to a recognition of their need for Jesus like every one of us has. And and hence why we do law and gospel in our sermons is to show us our sins in, in, in uh, various ways. And then also to show show to us that there is a Savior, and who who committed no sin. That Christ is the one who shed His blood for us. I've often said every passage in the Bible can be read one of two ways: the wrong way, and the right way. And the wrong way <laughs> often confuses law and gospel. Yesterday's sermon was about Luke 15 and the lost sheep from the previous Sunday. And I, mm. here was my question. How many of you would disagree that Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep uh, in order that we might also find sheep that need to be saved and help them to be saved? And, of course, mm -hmm. the answer to that is, no, that's not what the parable is about at all. It's not about us going out to find lost sheep. It's about Jesus finding you who is a lost sheep. And our task isn't to do what Jesus did, put sheep on our shoulders and carry their sins to the cross. That was done by Jesus. 
our task, the way we bring people to faith, is what Jesus said in Matthew. Go, therefore, and make Christians of all nations by baptism and teaching. And that's bringing Jesus to them so he finds them and brings them into a right relationship with his Father. Uh, I think that's well said, especially the part is we're bringing Jesus to them. We're bringing them the hope of life and salvation, the forgiveness of sins. Not only their sins, our sins, we're all in that same boat, so to speak. Yes, and that's the task of every sermon is to bring Jesus to those who said, even in the Bible, we would like to see Jesus. Okay, that's what's done in a proper worship service that properly divides law and gospel. Well said. Well, next week we'll see what else we're going to be talking about, but we'll give a little bit of help to those who are confronted with this question. I'm doing sin because that's the way I was born. And that shows, boy, a total misunderstanding of God's holy word. Tomorrow is going to be Open Mic Friday. You can ask questions about what will be said today. Until then, thanks so much and God bless. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.